Welcome to The Gathering Place with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. <laughs> Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hey, ladies. Hi, Nell. Hi, girls. Nell, what are the kids doing? Well, let's see. Charlie is rifling through my jewelry and my Blessed Is She planner. He says he's not, but he, he was. <laughs> and Irene just finished nursing, and she's walking around with my credit card and driver's license. So, That's you know, my- really safe things. <laughs> That's my girl. No, I'm so excited to be talking with you today because you are in my top 10 favorite people to ever exist in the world. Wow. I made the top 10? You would be in my top eight if we still had MySpace. <sighs> High praise, Jenna Gizar. High praise. I'll take wow. it. Wow. You're like in my top, you know, 200. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that is so offensive. Facebook has top friends these days. They do? Yeah, it's like people who contact you the most. People that interact with you the most. They're on your top friends. I don't look at that. I'm just, I don't look at it. It's yeah, right, Beth. <laughs> you hunt it down every day. It's right there. On Beth, the where am I? Am I on your page? Probably. You're the most supportive friend in all the like, You're amazing. Oh, it's very self-serving. I like to have affirmation. Therefore, I give affirmation. Well, it's working for you, babe. <laughs> okay, Nell, do you mind introducing yourself? No, not at all. Hello, The Gathering Place listeners. I'm Nell O'Leary. I am a recovering lawyer who married my law school love. We live in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I'm the managing editor for Blessed Is She, sometimes blogger, sometimes sewer of organic baby goods, and all that's over at wholeparentingfamily.com. Mostly, I'm just really into chai tea and hot chocolate and eating chocolate chips in the pantry while my kids aren't watching. Let's be honest. You're the queen of Insta stories hiding while you're eating. Amazingly, my kids don't seem to notice. And the pantry has a door. So, so yeah, I definitely sneak eat in the pantry. Now, so I'm interested for you to tell us what we're chatting about today. Okay, so this is a topic I'm really passionate about. And the topic is making new friends. Bruh. <laughs> Making new friends. So I wanted to share a little bit about having gone to five different schools from kindergarten to 12th grade, despite not having moved. And then the extra challenge of making friends as an adult, which I think is even harder than making friends when you switch schools, honestly, as a kid. Definitely. Trying to make new friends as an adult. I mean, same sex friends feels a lot like dating. It does. Like you're trying to get to know each other. Like, can I text them? Is it too soon? I don't want to come on too strong. Don't want to appear desperate. We're in the same state of life. We have these things in common. You like get excited about new friends the same way I hear people get excited about (laughs) dating. (laughs) No, you're totally right, Beth. Hasn't that been the case for you guys where you think, okay, Who's around me that can actually be a friend with me? Where can I actually build this friendship? Where can I actually find relationships? Especially before Blessed Is She, because now I feel like, gosh, I have all these incredible sisters. But before that, even on the internet, even with the women's blogging that was going on, it still is hard for me to find friends. 
So tell us a little bit about, you mentioned that your childhood was fraught with a lot of moves and a lot of school. So you probably became a master friend maker as a kid. I did. And ironically, we never moved houses. I just moved a lot of schools, which is even weirder because people would say, oh, why are you the new kid? Did you move? Nope, didn't move. Just the awkward new kid Mel, trying to make a friend. Now, can you share why you went to so many different schools? I think part of it was that my family was continuously trying to find the best fit for us. And those best fits kept on ending up not being a good fit. <laughs> and part of it was having older siblings who'd gone on to try something new. And then the younger siblings would kind of catch up with them. But my experience, it really taught me two things about about friendship. The first one was that no matter what anyone says, everyone's felt like the new kid and everyone's felt uncomfortable. So even when I walked in as the actual new kid, there were kids who'd been in that school since kindergarten and still felt like they hadn't connected and still felt like they didn't have friendship. The second thing that I learned by going to so many different schools as a kid about making new friends was that sometimes it just takes being nice for people to want to be your friend. And that's hard when you're the new kid and you just want to be shy and reluctant and reticent and not reach out. But that by being willing to put myself out there, even though I was new, I found I was able to make friends a lot more quickly. Okay, so Nell, I actually think that everything you learned as a kid about making new friends and being in new schools relates to making new friends and being in new situations as an adult. And I think we underestimate the power of just being kind, initiating a kind conversation. Sometimes it's, it's hard to be kind too. If, if for me, if I felt like, well, somebody else should have reached out first. Why do I have to be the one to make the effort? I'm the new person. I should be welcome with open arms, kind of feeling entitled to having people treat me a certain way because I am new or because I am less familiar and realizing, hey, this isn't a competition. I should just be nice and see what happens. That's probably the safest bet, right? This is so true. I remember my um, college roommate, Susie and I, we were like in cahoots every weekend to get our friends to go out. And it was like, why can't anybody else plan things? Why can't anybody else be reaching out and inviting us? So we would have to call all the girls and say, guys, get excited. We're going to do this thing. And they would always want to know who else is going to be there as if we were <laughs> enough. And then we would do the same. We'd call the guys and we'd say, guys, we're all coming. All, yeah, all the girls are coming. All the girls are coming, even if they weren't coming. And we would, we would have to create this fun experience for people. It was, there was frustration always that we weren't being invited. We were always doing the inviting. Gosh, and then you think about how our Heavenly Father feels, constantly inviting us to come back, constantly inviting us to open our hearts again to him. Having to do this like awkward girlfriend to girlfriend friendship thing with us all the time. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty hard for him. I hadn't really thought about it that way, Beth, but you're right to like repeat it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of unfair. The Lord, he's pretty persistent. He doesn't mind. He doesn't mind inviting again and again. Well, we're like, who else is coming? Jesus. I mean, it's like St. <laughs> Michael the Archangel going to be there. Kind of want to see his sword. So this morning in prayer, I was rereading my journal from the past couple of weeks. And I was surprised by some of the beautiful things that the Lord had been saying to me. And I re-experienced some of that intimacy that I had in prayer just recently. But I have such a short-term memory in prayer. And so to reread that, I almost felt bad for the Lord. Like, 
you have to win me over again every time I come to prayer, God. Help me to have a long memory because this experience, I'm tearing up again just thinking about it, Lord. So help me to hang on to those intimate moments of connection and not not ask you or not expect you to win me over every single time. What a gift that you journaled it, Beth. What a gift that oh my you had that to revisit. What would I do without my journal? I do not know. What did you do without your journal? <gasps> no, I left my journal at what? mass on Sunday. No. I woke up in a total panic. Oh, my goodness. I, I mean, thank God. And also problem that my name is not in my journal. <laughs> Double a sword. So I was very concerned, one, that someone was reading my oh journal. Oh, my gosh. And two, that because it had no contact information, it would never make its way back to me. But alas, I found it. How? Where? It was still sitting on the pew. It was just Jesus reading my journal. (laughs) Thank goodness. A true friend. He's a safe friend. He's a safe one to read it. I think I've come to really treasure the friendships that when I'm having like a really cruddy day or even a really great day that person that I like, I have to always have one person that I can contact either on the cruddy day or the great day. And that's like just a sign of such a good solid friendship to me. And so even if everything else in my life is falling apart, having that one solid friend that I know I can always turn to and vice versa, she can always turn to me and I'll always be there for her is such a gift to me and something I really treasure about female friendships. Have you found that that's always easy for you to have a friend like that too, Nell, or has that been harder for you? In a way, that's been harder for me because I have a sister. Well, I have a lot of sisters and a brother, and I'm really close with them. So for most of my growing up and then even into my adult years, my super BFF have been family members. So to expect someone who's not a family member Mm -hmm. to meet me in that space and to actually care enough to reach out of their life into my life, I've had trouble trusting that. I do feel like I have that a little bit with a few people as an adult, but that is, I think that's, that's like a whole different level of trust for me to actually share the struggle versus having a coffee date, having a play date, chatting even sharing about something, but in the moment when it's bad, who can I call in that actual moment? Those people are few and far between. Your sister is your person. I'm, I'm pretty jealous of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty lucky there. I'm really lucky. The genetics and personality lined up. So this You're... is funny because that's kind of how my in-laws are. They love family. Their family is everything to them. So they would have family parties and only invite, you know, all the family members and cousins and family is number one to them. Whereas like me growing up, we were always kind of able to invite friends over to our family parties and stuff. And so friends were always invited to be there. They were always more than welcome. And so they were really important to me growing up. So for my husband who like only grew up with family only, family's most important, he does have a really hard time trusting outside people. And he's able to drop friendships really quickly because he's always, well, I just have my family and that's number one to me. Whereas I'm the type of person where friendships are so important to me and I'm extremely vulnerable with people and I want that back from very close friends. And and it's not so easy for me to like let someone go if they hurt me Mm -hmm. because friendship is so important to me and has been my whole life. I think one, I easily am more trusting and two, 
I'm not willing to give up on that friendship. What a great characteristic as a friend, though, to not be willing to easily discard it and not be willing to give it up. Yeah. That makes I think, I mean, have you found that that served you well to make like true, deep connections with people? It does. I mean, it's been a gift to me to have friends like that. How about you, Beth? Is that, are you more like Mike or more like me? No, totally like you. Friends are family to me. Um, I didn't grow up close to our extended family. I mean, there's tremendous love there and closeness, but they weren't in my daily life. In many ways, friends and their families became really important parts of my growing up. And um, yeah, I'm still in a small group with girls I went to high school with who I adore. And my college roommate and her husband got married. We went to college with him. So I have a lot of connections with people, you know, historical friendships. And I'm the same. I, I'm not as willing to part ways with people. I think that I've, I've discovered this extra rung of friendship that I didn't know about when I was younger, which is they're not my inner circle and they're not just my friendly acquaintance and they're not someone that I see periodically because our kids connect. But I've invited five women to be part of an intentional prayer group. So they're people who they knew each other already, but we come together once a month and we have an opportunity to share our intentions and pray a rosary together. And then once a week, I email them all and say like, Hey, it's Monday. You know, what are your rosary intentions for this week? How can I pray for you this week? And some of the gals love to share. And some of the gals don't respond to the email. It's really funny. Like they told us ahead of time, I'm probably not going to share very much on the email. No problem. But it's this intentionality of kind of what you, it sounds like you have with these girlfriends from, from childhood, Beth, because I don't have that. I don't have a group of friends that have sustained, you know, my many different moves and my many different schools I've gone to. So I'm trying this as an experiment, I guess. Can we as adult women come together and be vulnerable in a space that's kind of, we've created this safe space and it's an invitation to share and we're doing it as sisters in Christ. As a caveat now, I wasn't, we were not a group in high school. I had individual friendships with these girls and they had some individual friendships with others, but we really reconnected in our thirties just for for dinner. And we, we knew that we all had Christ in common and really he took care of the rest. So it's not like I've had this intact, supportive friend network. I really did have to create it in some ways and be open to more vulnerable sharing, even though we had kind of a common history. So not to paint this picture that, you know, I've had this like perfect (laughs) supportive friend circle my whole life. I mean, it does take work. Friendship is work. That's amazing that you could kind of draw on your common history, but create something new as adults because you are different people than you were back then. You're a more complete version of yourself. You're, You're a more mature version of yourself. So that's amazing, Beth. Wow. So, that's like the best of both worlds where you have history that's shared, but you also are meeting each other in a new space. Wow. Love that. Yeah. I think it's been a very grace-filled experience. I don't know that I could have connected with just anybody from my past, but God really blessed this group of girls. So, Yeah. And I like what you're saying, Mel. I remember a few years back, the area that we are in Phoenix is really amazing. There's a lot of people who really love and value community in the sense of doing life together and being a part of each other's lives and raising our children alongside each other. 
again, being vulnerable with each other. And a few years ago, we were doing kind of this formation track, Mike and I were with a few other couples, and we learned about intentional friendship versus preferential friendship. And I know that every person has someone I think come to mind when you think of this isn't actually my preferred friend, but this does, it needs to be an intentional friendship, an intentional reaching out, kind of like what you were saying, Nell, about we're intentionally getting together to share vulnerably, to share our intentions and to pray together. They might not be the people you prefer and the people that easily fall into your life and and it's an easy give and take. But for us to be aware that there will be times in our lives where we have to really be intentional about friendship, and that's not bad. Every single person has that. And at times, if you do want to have a relationship that's centered around Christ, you do have to be intentional with that. Well, and I hear women say, we say this about dating, right? Like, oh, if you're trying too hard, maybe it's a bad sign. And I hear women say that about friendship with other women. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, it should just happen. You should just click. It should be great. But the busier we are with our work and with, you know, our school and with growing families, developing adult women friendship could easily just not happen for a lot of us. Just not happen. It's just not a factor in our lives. And I think, wow, especially for those of us who have significant others, there's a lot of pressure on that significant other to Mm -hmm. be your everything. And my husband, Anthony, is an amazing guy. But he is not my girlfriend. So when I want to give him like a detailed blow by blow of what happened in this tiny scenario, and I want to go in depth and analyze all of it, sometimes I FaceTime my sister Molly instead of, you know, poor Anthony having to hear me really ring out every detail of this interaction. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, great. Lord, bear me strength. You know, he's totally thinking that. So in a way, to be more intentional kind of takes the pressure off of those people in our inner circle so they don't have to be our our release valve, maybe, for everything? Yeah, totally. I have one friend that I go to to complain about my kids for a certain day. And I have one friend that I go to to complain about business stuff or work life. I have one friend that I call that I know no matter what, she's going to be happy for me and not have a twinge of envy or jealousy whenever something good is happening in my life. You know, like there's Mm. people for each time of your life. And I think it's a gift. I loved that um, workshop that Liv did on finding your tribe about like how you can go to different saints for different times in your life. And that's how I feel about friendship as well. Well, and I think that that can be a pitfall of adult female friendship is that you do start to feel like a friendship is too much work or I can't trust everything to this friend anymore, then that's, you know, quote, not a good friendship. But that's not true. I think there are certain friends that click over certain areas of our lives. And that doesn't make it any less valuable because you can't share about this other thing. Because it is a little bit suffocating, like you were talking about now with your husband, to put everything on one person. I think too how friendship, it really develops over time. So a method that's helped me is to zero in on people that are already in my life and say, hey, I'm going to mentally kind of test drive this friendship. I'm going to invite them and their families over for dinner. I'm going to seek them out one-on-one. I'm going to see if as a couple, I click with them and their spouse. You know, they click with me and my spouse. And kind of like start in the shallow end before jumping in and totally expecting this person to answer my midnight phone calls and be my sounding board for all my processing. 
And that way, when I've kind of put my toes in the water and I see, hey, this person's awesome and they have so much to offer, but we don't actually really click and I can't stand this and she obviously doesn't like that. Then to kind of pull my toes back out of the water and slowly not phase out the friendship. Back away slowly. Yeah. Well, maybe like a mutual understanding that we probably aren't going to be besties for life. And that's okay. I can still have her in my broader friendship circle. We can still see each other in a bigger group socially. But for me, I'm kind of like an all or nothing person sometimes. Don't give me a chocolate chip cookie. I will eat the entire bag. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's helpful to say, let's just try this incrementally and test it out and see how I'm connecting with this person before I do like the full immersion friendship. Yeah, I like that. You know what's worked for me? I'm going to say a classically Beth thing. (laughs) is to pray about friendship. I have been in seasons of my life where I've been really lacking for a close girlfriend, like a, like a heart sister and really longed for that understanding and support and just somebody to have fun with even. And so I, I prayed about it. Like, God, you know, a lot of people. (laughs) Can you, (laughs) can you like friend match me with someone? And I've had some really beautiful relationships come into my life. Women that I don't even know how we got together and became as close as we are, but it's blessed me tremendously because I asked God for help in friendship. That's so beautiful, Beth. That's wonderful. That's great. That's like the best advice of all. That's how I came into your life, right, Beth? I prayed you in. I prayed (laughs) you here, Jenna. I mean, in in a roundabout way, it is true. Yes. I love it. I have one other thought about friendship, which is to give people a second chance. I've had a few people that have come into my life at different stages. One gal in particular, I knew a couple years back, maybe like eight years ago. And we just didn't really click. We didn't really click. I, I didn't think she really thought I was, I don't think she, I didn't think she liked me very much. Turns out I was wrong. She was kind of going through her own thing. But our paths recrossed. And I thought, you know, I had already kind of put her on the list of like people I'm probably not going to connect with. So don't bother investing too much emotional energy there. And I, I'm getting a different vibe now. Maybe I have been subconsciously praying for it. And this was God's answer, Beth. Yeah. But I gave, her, I gave her a second chance. And now she's someone who I really value in my life. No, she doesn't fill the role I thought she would initially. But just her being who she is without me thinking she's supposed to fill this slot has really blessed me. So sometimes first impressions and even first like encounters aren't necessarily indicative for me of how that person's going to you know, play a role in my life in the longer game. Now that's amazing. I I think something that you said really resonates with me that we're tempted lots of times to make it about us when other people have their own stuff going on. And really that's a tenet of Ignatian spirituality to give the benefit of the doubt, to always see the good in the other person and to, to assume the best about them. So you didn't click initially, that's not on you. That doesn't make them a bad person it might just be a timing issue. You know, and conversely, I've had people who I walked through really difficult times with and thought, wow, you know, this, like this couple would be great godparents for a child of ours someday. Like we will always be friends and always be connected. And then for no, no visible reason, no huge conflict, no drama, the friendship kind of mellowed and then eventually soured. Yeah. And it's a friendship I actually look back on often and think that Beth, like, what was it here? Was it about me? Is there something I did? I've, re- I've revisited it for many years. What did I do? What could I have done differently? What's my lesson here? Everything's a lesson, right? What's my lesson? 
and kind of frantic. If I don't learn the lesson of this friendship's demise, I'm bound to repeat it. Mm -hmm. And the answer I kept coming back to now, it's been many years since I've even seen the couple is that it wasn't about me. Yeah. Not sure. Maybe I did something insensitive or said the wrong thing at the wrong time, but I I thought we were deep enough friends to weather any of that. And they must've had and continue to have their own stuff going on. So sometimes it's, what is that? Like bless and release. I think you told me that Beth to just, if someone was in your life and they leave your life for me, it's hard to let them do the leaving part without making it about me. But to know sometimes it's just not. Thanks, Mel. That made me feel better about a friendship I'm really sad about. Oh, I'm sorry. It's like a bad breakup. It is. I mean, I'm just loving you both and empathizing and wanting to... Nell, I just wish you were here right now because that breaks my heart. Friendship is so personal. And as women, we are relational. So when things, when relationships Mm -hmm. fall apart, or go away. It's hard not to internalize that. It is. And you know, I think we, as women who are in general, communication oriented, it can be hard too to walk the line between how, how deep do I try to dig myself out of wherever I am with this friend? Like, do I need to just go all out, like really press her for why this isn't working, really try to force the issue, really try to get inside, really try to understand. And when do I have to know to like step back and maybe the friendship just needs breathing room or let the friendship disintegrate because me trying to probe and trying to fix is actually just making the problem worse. Well, and I, I think here again, (laughs) the Lord comes in handy, you know, to keep bringing our relationships back to him, keep bringing our friendships back to him to say, Lord, what's really going on here? Is there something that I can and should do, you know, as you're like laying in bed, kind of fretting and going through these scenarios and rehashing the past to even invite Jesus into some of those memories or, or into the moment where it feels sort of helpless and say, is there anything that I can and should do? And first of all, the Lord in his goodness and tenderness, I know will just rush in and be present Mm -hmm. But sometimes there is, um, there is something that, that he wants to help us with practically. Maybe it is a card after many months of disconnection. Maybe it is a quick text or an invitation to a play date. Um, but maybe the Lord in that silence will say, you know, not right now. It's okay to, it's okay to take a step back and I will... I will comfort you and I will love on you because I know this is painful, but it's just, it's just not working right now. And that's okay. Yeah. I'm reminded of in the gospel of Matthew, when the Lord says, if you have a conflict with someone to go straight to that person, instead of talking about it with everyone else, because I think in the past, whenever I've had an issue with anyone, I've always talked to everyone else about the problem. And, you know, everyone who knows us or happens to know the story, or even if they don't know the story, I fill them in and want to get their advice instead of just going to the person that I've either been hurt by, or that I feel disconnected from, or that maybe I've hurt them, like, and just going to them and saying, hey, what's going on here? I want to honestly say I've been hurt by this. or I want to honestly say I feel some friction. Like, can we talk about that? And I'm really coming to value honesty in friendship. And 
and not holding back because I'm scared that they're not going to like what I have to say or like I want I want them to be vulnerable with me and so I want to show that to them first and say this is where I've been hurt what can we do with this wow that's so powerful Jenna it's so scary to be honest I'd rather be nice sometimes totally. than honest because yeah. I want people, first of all, to think I'm nice, but I also don't want to deal with all the messiness of feelings in friendship. When the rest of life already feels so messy, can't my feelings with my friends be simpler? But then those relationships are simpler and have less depth. Yeah. I've even had the experience of a friend reaching out to me in honesty, but the vulnerability there it is hard. Yeah. So I can easily say, no, 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 no big deal. When it really was mm -hmm. a very big deal. Yeah. Um, so you're not alone in that, Jenna. And actually, just in these months that we've been working together, you've taught me so much about this because honesty and going one-on-one -on -one to a person would not be my <laughs> my preference. No. I would not default to that very gospel-centric behavior. Yeah, and I think I only feel for the first time in my life that I can do that or that I should do that because of Matthew. Like, I think I think if someone had just said to me, Mike, for example, he always wants to give me advice, even when I'm not asking for it. Love it. <laughs> so he'll say, Jenna, just go talk to the person. But I never actually heard that until I'm reading scripture. And I'm like, oh, okay. So the Lord said to do that. <laughs> so I will take his tips over my husband. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Don't tell Mike. Oh, we're telling Mike. In all fairness, Mike has a lot of ideas. <laughs> a lot of opinions. A lot of opinions. <laughs> about my life, <laughs> about Jenna's life. I love it. Kind of a last thought on how we can move from the safety of our electronic friendships mm -hmm. to the vulnerability of our in-person friendships is that everybody makes mistakes. No one is perfect. And that person you think thinks you're so great because all they see is your highlights reel and they wouldn't really like you if they knew how messy you were and how many mistakes you made and how broken you were. It's such a it's such a lie because guess what? They're just as messy, make just as many mistakes and are just as broken. Now, again, if you get together in real life, you may not connect and that's fine. But to hold back because we think our own veneer will be shattered. Okay, so, you know, I want to add something to this conversation. I think it's important to say that even within Blessed Is She, we've experienced this. We have an intimate group of of writers and we have our own insecurities and I don't know, personalities and yeah. preferences. And so we run into this even in the midst of our own very important, very beautiful community. But it's that hard work yeah. of vulnerability and honesty that makes it a beautiful and intimate community, right? Yeah. I think also having the team retreat now, we've had this for two years where whoever's able to gets together uh, in a central place. And we do have these just casual interactions face to face with each other. I've had people on the team tell me that's healed misperceptions they had, insecurities they had, fears they had that so and so thinks this about me, or I came across one time in a, you know, a group, a group combo this way to be face to face has brokered so many wonderful feelings there. The in real life is so critical to our relationships as a team too. For sure. Yeah, I think that's always been my goal. You know, I like you said, Nell, kind of dipping your toes in the water and messaging with each other, texting each other, but that it not just stay online, that you actually 
get into the messiness of life together. And I love what you said now that you don't have to be afraid of showing all of yourself to someone else because they're just as afraid. It really is just a matter of opening up your door of your home or opening up the door of your heart and letting someone inside and both of you have your stuff and you know, that's going to come out. And, and again, like those relationships that are centered around the Lord, there's so much grace there and there's so much mercy there to be given um, and taken from each other. And I just think it's so essential for us to, take that step and say, Hey, can we get together for coffee? Or, Hey, can we have a play date to take those relationships off of the internet and to meet in real life? And again, be intentional about praying together or talking about your prayer life or just talking about life. I just think there's, there's such a gift to be had there. And my like hope for all women is that I know that can be scary, but I just so badly want us to be able to set that fear aside and to open up that door to each other. While you said that, I literally opened a door. It was the door of my heart, Jenna. It was the door of my heart. It's really squeaky, but it's beautiful. That was prophetic. It's like we're all opening doors into our hearts. Now, should we pray? Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of this conversation, for the gift of friendship. Thank you, God, for the friends that you have brought into our lives that draw us closer to your heart, who reveal your love and your kindness to us. So God, would you bless and protect the friendships in our lives that are so precious to us. Help us to smooth over misunderstandings, to be quick to forgive Mm. God. And I pray for those tender relationships, either in our lives now or in our past, where there still is some hurt, miscommunication, misunderstanding. Would Would you come into that relationship, come into that memory, Lord, and speak truth, bring healing, and bring comfort. And I pray now for all of the women who might be longing for a heart friendship. God, that you would would bring a new friend into their lives. Maybe that person is already in their outer circle, um, but draw them in, God. And, and so we put this desire for friendship into your hands and ask you, Lord, to make a way. Thank you that you care about this. Thank you that you care about everything, Jesus. And thank you for being the perfect and most loving friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, ladies, this has been such a joy to be with you. Thanks for having me today. So fun, Nell. Thanks for taking the time. We love you, Nell. Love you. Love you. Bye. Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedishe.net slash community and join us on all your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time.